I think I'm more confused than I was before. There is no easy answer, son. Whatever you decide to do, just know you won't have to do it alone. Hello. What's up? Nothing. Nothing. Just preparing. For? Sense8. Yeah? What's this one called? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, episode 7, if we're to go by Netflix, mm -hmm, of season mm -hmm. 2. Uh, it is, I have no room in my heart for hate. Oh, there it is. Boom. Yeah. This one's a doozy. It's a lot going on, so... It is. It's. I think it was longer than some of the others. Yeah, this one's like an hour long. There was a lot going on. Yeah, they've normally been like 45 minutes to like 50 minutes. Uh, yeah, 50 is more normal. Standard, yeah. So, whew. And it ends on a cliffhanger. Like, most of them have They, they all do, yeah. Yeah, so... Alright, who do you want to start with? Why don't we start with Riley? Okay, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Riley is on a plane to Chicago where we pick up with her in this episode and Will is being very anxious and she's just like, Nomi, can you please try and talk some sense into him? And Bug is also on duty. They've given her a fake ID. She's been able to get out of the country and Nomi's pretty confident that the ID is going to hold up. Uh, Will is pretty frantic. Will is taking the role of the very neurotic sensate yes. from Lido in this episode. Yeah, which is really impressive actually. Um, so she she gets to Chicago no problem. Uh, Will is just like I don't I don't trust Mr. Hoy. If I were BPO, I would like meet you at the airport right now. And then police come and grab her. But lo and behold, it's Diego. It's Diego. Return of Diego. It's been so long. I know I've missed him, and he is pretty butt hurt. So. I'm not happy. <laughs> no. Um, so, Riley, this is another case of them explaining the sensateness to someone that didn't know about it in season one. It's up to Riley to explain it to him now in season two. And um, it's kind of a cute, funny little interaction because he picks her up from the airport and is like, they do a call back to season one. And he's like, oh, you're the, the hot girl with the accent. And she's like, that's me. <laughs> from when the phone call from season one. And so he takes her to like a burger joint. And uh, he is like, um, do you want anything? I'm going to eat something. And then Will's always like, he's always really nervous. And that's why he has to get something to eat. He eats when he's nervous. And it's very cute. Um, so Riley tries to explain it to him. She's like, I got voices in my head. And Will is one of them. And then Will calls Diego because Diego doesn't believe her, and he apologizes. And he makes the very nice point of being like, hey, Diego, how many times did you get call in, called in from Homeland Security to get like interrogated and interviewed about what happened to me? And he's like, I can't even count that high, man. And he's <laughs> just like, yeah, but you didn't have anything to say, did you? Because I couldn't tell you, I couldn't get you in on this, because you're also a really shitty liar, and I know how much you love being a cop, so... I didn't want you to lose your job over me. That's why I couldn't tell you anything. And he was like, uh-uh, man, I'm not taking that. Like, <laughs> friendship is more important than a job. And Will's like, yeah, you have a family to support, so maybe not. Um, But, you know, obviously Diego is hurting a little bit. But Will's like, we need your help. Please just, you know, I'm, I miss you. 
and I miss my life as a cop too and I'm trying to get back to you buddy but you gotta help Riley out mm-hmm. so um so he's tentatively on board yes in the most tentative way possible so Riley is kind of just from then on out hanging out in Chicago she goes to the bridge where they first kissed in season one uh, it's very cute Will apologizes for being so neurotic but he is it's very sweet mm. he says like you know I've never loved anyone the way that I love you so please please promise me you'll come back there's a great part um, earlier where Nomi is like mediator yes <laughs> between them yeah uh, you know telling her that he's only worried because he loves her so much mm-hmm. and telling him like it's all gonna be fine you need to trust Riley <laughs> yeah it's funny to see um, I think the sensates not just pair off but like start to create methods of dealing with other pairs yes for <laughs> if sure. they're being difficult yeah. yeah it's very cute and you could tell Nomi's like a little exasperated with both of them particularly Will because she's like Will you need to chill it will work out I'm very good at making fake IDs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway uh, which we will touch upon later I guess with her story but um, they make out it's really cute and then she's like I'll try and come back He's like, do you know how much longer? Could be any time. Could, Could be, be a month, yeah. a year, a year, ten years, twenty years. You don't know. Just kidding. Mr. Hoy pops up and he's like, the archipelago has spoken. They're very efficient. <laughs> uh, and they have an address for you to meet up with a contact who could give you the full name of Whispers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she and Diego go, and they're both just like, oh shit, because of course the address is the <laughs> church where this whole shenanigan got started with Angelica. There's some great uh, shots like Mm -hmm. to replicate that moment. Not just the initial church scene, but like the scene when Will went there. For the very first time in season one. And he like gets out of the car and there there was a shot like through the window of him and it's pretty much identical to this one of Riley now because it's like they've swapped places. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, So she goes to the church and there was a big sensate moment there with the cluster giving advice on what she should do mm-hmm. because she's supposed to meet somebody downstairs and they have a very fun Alice in Wonderland moment of like drink this drink me and it's a blocker Lido gives a very helpful yeah. uh, comment as yeah where he's like downstairs. I did a scene like this and for <laughs> forgive us our trespasses and Nomi's like what happened he's like everybody died <laughs> she's like not helpful Lido not helpful um but riley is convinced she's like hey this doesn't seem like a bpo kind of situation Mm -hmm. this just seems like somebody who is incredibly terrified and i would be too if i was about to do something like this to meet up with somebody and give them the address to or give them the address and the name of whispers and where to find him so she's obviously more confident about it than anybody else obviously she's scared but she's like i don't think this is a bpo trap and so Will's like, I'm giving you five minutes on that blocker. And after that, I'm sending Diego right back in. And Diego does make the fun comment as like, as a cop, he's like, I will not go downstairs. Mm-mm. Especially because if this were her movie, I would, you know, the fun, lovable sidekick is going to get killed off right away. Mm-hmm. He's like, and that's me. So I'm going to go. He's very self-aware, like Felix, you know, he knows his role in the story. Um, so Riley goes downstairs she takes the blocker. Uh, she meets with this woman. The woman actually never introduces herself, but it is the same lady who um, was there in the uh, last episode. 
-hmm. the montage when, you know, Mr. Hoy is showing off the Sensate Google exchange. At, at the desk. She's by, the one at the desk yeah. by Professor Kolovi when he's going off on a rampage yelling about, you know, Something. some science findings. I think it actually might be connected to this, but I didn't really catch it. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is she's done work with Professor Kolovi, and I believe you have seen her before when Leto stumbles upon the video mm -hmm. of um, that Raul left in his room. It's of, you know, a young Professor Kolovi and Matheson, Todd, and she is the one that is setting up the camera. So she's kind of like the lab assistant. Anyway, so you finally get to meet her in person. Again, she doesn't say her name, but she does tell Riley, like, oh, I, I need to know how far you'd go. I'm really, really scared. Uh, she explains that um, I worked with Professor Kolovi, but before that I worked with uh, Dr. Ruth. Um, yeah, who is the one that founded BPO. And she's like, what we were doing, the breakthroughs we were doing was amazing. And when she passed away, I hope that Professor Kolovi would have done the same. Um, but, but everything changed. Then Milton. Milton Bailey Brandt mm -hmm. showed up. And she basically says, I worked with BPO. I worked with Angelica. And Riley's like, oh my gosh, you're the one that helped Angelica escape. Mm -hmm. She's like, we both figured out that Angelica was going to birth another cluster soon. And we didn't want what happened to her first cluster happened to you guys. So um, I got her to escape. Her, the church was her idea. And... Riley's like, yeah, dude, what's with the church? And uh, she's like, oh, Angelica heard me singing one day and asked me where I learned, and it was at this church. Um, she asks why uh, Angelica went to Chicago and worked with Whispers in the first yeah. place. And yeah. she says that um, when Whispers first came onto the scene to BPO with um, when he first met up with uh, Professor Kolovi and this woman, she was like, he had all this amazing data on, like, you know, the evolution of uh, a frontal lobe like a sicilian frontal lobe of a sensate mm -hmm. and we all kind of had an idea of where he got it from but none of us really wanted to ask because and this might tie into sarah patrell a little lobotomizing. bit lobotomizing yeah he's been lobotomizing but also people. um apparently angelica went there to search for her children yes um which is you know unclear exactly what the order of events there was yeah. and why they were missing but mm -hmm point is they're like yeah we got really far with this research thanks to you know milton lobotomizing people even though we didn't we kind of knew but we didn't ask mm -hmm. um so we had a bunch of this research but there's no way he could have gotten it done with the the neurograft without angelica's research and riley's like what is this neural graft like what does it do and she's like it's essentially putting one sensate consciousness into another one so like let's say you have a zombie you can just stick your consciousness in there and have them walk around and do things for you, which mm. is something we have already seen Whispers do. We do also get the origin of Whispers' name. Um, the lady and Riley both have self-harm scars that they kind of share, and she says, like, oh, Angelica called him Whispers. Do you know why? And she's like, no. She's like, whenever you hear a little voice in your head that tells you to, you know, cut your wrists or to jump, or to take those pills, it never shouts, it's always a whisper. And therefore, hence, that's how you get his name, which is very creepy. Um, and so then the, she gives uh, Riley the address, address as of, well as the name, and that is where Riley's story is. Yeah, and uh, you see Will go to check out mm -hmm. this place. Yeah. Very end, because Will doesn't do anything in this episode yeah, besides... Yeah, Will's pretty much just kind of freaking yeah. out over Riley and being like, 
I need to apologize to Diego. So their storylines, even though this is probably the first time they've not actually been in the same space together, um, they're still obviously they're still very together. connected. Yeah, and they, they go to the house, which presumably, you know, is where Will, like, woke up uh, before. Yes. And everything. And when he was Whispers. Yeah. And well, we could mention the end, the end there, because that's what yes. happens to Will. As well as uh, like Will we shows should. Up. He's with the other brigade of Wolf and Son, because those are obviously our three badasses <laughs> of the cluster who are action people. And they're all like, "Yep, now's the time. Let's go in. Let's go in to kill him." And then who pops up? Jonas. Yeah, it's Jonas. Even though he's dead. Even though he's dead. It's inexplicable. And he's just like, are you guys really going to kill the guy in cold blood? And they're just like, what the fuck, Jonas? Like, you did it on purpose, Jonas. Yeah, Come on. you're dramatic. You could have popped up and said like, hey, I'm back. Also, are you going to kill him in cold blood? Yeah. Instead, he was like, I'm going to wait for the best moment. I was hiding behind that tree <laughs> the whole time. Um, but yeah, so Jonas is alive. Question mark. Well, I don't know. It that's cuts to black. Ep- yeah, that's how the episode ends. You know. Spoilers. Anyway, that is pretty much, uh, that's their storyline. Miraculously unscarred, by the way. Mm-hmm. I know, no, like, forehead scar. Clearly they have good plastic surgeons. Yeah, seriously. That always threw me. I was like, well, you don't have, a, like, I remember the first time I watched this episode, um, there were some very audible reactions, and that one got the biggest one. But I remember being like, what the hell? Jonas is alive. And then my next thought was like, why doesn't he have a massive scar on his forehead? Is he a zombie? Like, what's going on? Is he actually alive? Well, it occurs to me that, as we will talk about in another storyline, mm. it appears that Todd mm. is also some sort of zombie. Yes. And yet, here's a picture of him, and he doesn't have a scar. Yeah. So clearly, uh, they have a way of fixing that scar up, but uh, they don't always do it like in the case of Mr. Bulger. Yes. But they probably weren't super concerned about appearances in that case. Yeah. So I can see why. Dramatic It seems weird just because you're so used to associating that Mm -hmm. with it, and then you see it happening to Jonas, and it's like, oh, he's... There's his face. It looks normal. But really, like, it's one of those things that would only be a a plot hole if you wanted it to be. Right. Like, obviously, there's about a million explanations you could come up with (laughs) for how... He looks it's fine. It's just they're never explicitly stated yeah. how, but, you know, like you said, you could explain it away. No I problem. guess they could have dropped in a line where one of them said, what happened to your forehead? And he was like, oh, what they forehead? fixed it up. So I've never had a forehead. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessary. This is all a dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, whose storyline is that? We should talk about Nomi. Yeah. yeah. So um, Nomi is hanging out with Amanita and her family in some sort of cabin. Mm-hmm. Again, Will keeps checking in with her throughout the episode very nervous about Riley. She explains, like, this is the best fake idea I've ever done. You don't have to worry. And then he he does bring up the point. He's like, how do you know so much about fake IDs? And she says, you know, trans people, when they need a new ID and the government makes it too hard to get, I make it easy for them. (laughs) So uh, I think this is, you know, a really nice touch. And I think it, it is kind of, you know, touched upon briefly, I think, in season one where, um... When she starts to go on the run, uh, she has friends uh, helping her out uh, from the community, mm-hmm. and she's like, thank you guys so much for hiding us out. And they're like, after what you did for us, like, no problem. Yeah. So it seems like something that she does a lot. Well, she uses her hacking skills yeah. to help people in various ways, I assume. Yes. Yeah. So uh, this is just kind of firmly cements that idea. Of, like She's like, yeah, I do this all the time, and this is the best one, so you need to calm down. But... Um, 
they are kind of on TSA watch for Riley. Uh, they're like, we're in the TSA system. And then mm. Bugs like, oh, shit. You know, they jumped up. They they bumped up the alarm level and was like, what? What, what does that mean? Why did that happen? <laughs> and he's like, there's been a shooting in New York. And that kind of plays in the background for most of the episode. Because, yeah, it's kind of clever. Yeah, and then they pull it to the forefront at the very end. Well, it kind of comes off like a sensate is just commenting on a thing. The state of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... Which actually seems like something the show would do, so it mm-hmm. makes it kind of surprising when at the end, Dominita is like, by the way, this is related to the plot. Yeah. I think it's kind of effective. I find some of the initial scenes feel in that slightly clunky way, like, oh, we're commenting on something. But the fact that it is related to everything uh, makes that all look a lot better, I think, in yeah. retrospect. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So... You know, Bug also makes the fun comment of it's like FaceTime without a phone, and the <laughs> nominee are totally bonding over that, which is very cute. Um, but then they have dinner with Amanita's family. They mention the shooting again. The Mamma Mia situation. The Mamma Mia situation is with Amanita. Amanita's Mamma Mia situation, <laughs> which is great. Um, and they're talking about how, like, oh, different generations believe in different things. And that's a very fun discussion where they're like, you know we didn't care who was the father like we all love Amanita mm-hmm. and there were it's clear that she comes from a family who is definitely has always kind of been hit with the movement of like protesting and going against the system mm-hmm. that they believe is wrong and so it makes sense like the more you spend time with Amanita's family the more you're like yep this is this it totally explains why she is on board with all the things that she has done with Nomi so far. So it just kind of grounds that out. I'm going to try to be balanced in my sensei coverage mm. and to say that this is one of my least favorite sensei scenes. Um, and I think it's just because um, it's very exposition-y mm. uh, about her dad's uh, and mommy a situation yes <laughs> and also about the shooting and i think it's just because we don't really know them that well yeah so uh it feels it, it's hard to understand their characters as characters it feels a little bit more like Preachy. you're just listening to a debate between like the writers or something yeah um i i kind of think i mentioned this mainly to say i think this scene is like what some people who don't like sensei claim the whole show is like Mm -hmm. and i really don't think it is uh and i think this is more what that would look like uh but the fact is that generally the show grounds all of its philosophical discussions Mm -hmm. in very defined characters and so this isn't a problem yeah uh i think they want to establish this plot point of the shooting and also make sure <laughs> just make sure Amanita's situation is clear apparently yeah. I thought it was pretty pretty clear but yeah. you know uh, the result is like it's just a little clunky um, but it's also one of the first scenes in the episode so you kind of get over it quickly yeah. in my opinion Yeah. I'm trying to trying to bring some color and balance to this. No, I respect <laughs> it. I'm just so swept up in the fact that, that she has a Mamma Mia situation. Yeah. But I do agree, like, the it is a little bit of a clunky scene. I, I think some of these bits stick out more because in the uh, first season, mm-hmm. of course, as many people have noted, including us, it takes a little bit of time to fully pick up. Yeah. Uh, there are some clunkier scenes like this in, like, the first four or five episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole show feels a little bit like that, like it's finding its feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so confident from that on 
that little bits like this are more noticeable just because like it doesn't usually put a foot wrong in my opinion mm-hmm. at this point in the show but i do notice this one <laughs> I'll give you that. i will comment yeah. on it I that and like it. the you know slight confusion of some of this plot in season two is the only negative thing i have to say yeah but uh we're getting a lot of that cleared up in this one anyway as yeah we for sure just discussed um yeah so after that dinner and after calming will down as best she can mm-hmm. uh one of my actual favorite parts that i didn't catch the first time i watched this is there's a scene when uh it's right after when riley is like just met up with Mr. Coy and he's like, here's an address to go to where um, Amanita and Nomi are in bed and uh, Neats like shrieks and wakes <laughs> up Nomi and Nomi's reaction is, uh, whispers where? <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever noticed that. It's just we had the subtitles on. Yeah, so. and it was really funny because it's like, you know, it's funny to wake up and be like, where's the bad guy? Where is he? Which is also fair considering her situation but it is also like a, a nice point to be like oh yeah he's still haunting them like so, they're really traumatized yeah <laughs> um but it's funny because uh Naomi's like neats what are you doing and she's like okay so i wanted to look more into the shooting that everybody's been talking about in new york and it was some sort of peace congregation speech by this politician named mitchell taylor and uh she was like i was just really sad about it and so I started diving into like his interviews his social media presence and all that and he's like he has a picture with um Ruth who found mm. VPO and she's like I'm starting to think this isn't a coincidence uh they show the video of the shooting which is disturbing it's very disturbing I, I actually whatever jumped. I I said about you know the commentary being a little clunky but this part is very effective yeah I think. it's terrifying uh especially in the day and age that we live in right now but um she's Amanita is essentially <laughs> like, hey, uh, they just released who the killer is, and it's Todd. You remember Todd. You remember Todd. Todd. Yeah. Difficult uh, Todd. Yeah, which Nomi goes, oh my god, that explains so much. And she rushes in to Riley and Will, interrupting them at the church, being like, I know why Whispers hasn't been bothering us. He's been like all, pretty much under probably like house arrest or prison or something, because he, she, as she puts it, Whispers bulgered Todd into shooting that politician. Uh, which is really funny because we've just been saying like zombie terminator but i think bulger should definitely be the new verb for that for miles <laughs> bulger may he rest in peace that little oh, terrifying oh. zombie man um he wasn't that little i he was not little <laughs> he was very he was in a sharp suit he scared the crap out of me um but yeah so that's another extra thing uh that kind of ties nicely into the um kind of like the opening scene and what is technically the first episode of season two, but is now considered the second. It's the first episode yeah. after the Christmas yeah. special, where Will is having a dream about whispers, essentially using the neural graft to get his consciousness into another body and to go on a fun little killing spree. Mm-hmm. Which is what he did to Todd. He's done it before. It's just really scary because you're like, oh shit, you know? Like, these things of the past aren't really in the past, and that comes full circle with the fact that the killer is Todd and they know he's from Angelica's mm-hmm. first cluster. And it's also, like, I felt there was sort of an assumption that the cluster was all dead. Yes. Um, but clearly that is not necessarily the case. Yeah. Uh, although Todd is now dead because yeah. the headline says he, I don't remember how, but he died in prison. Oh, did he? I think that's what, yeah, it oh, says I he, didn't catch that. um, hmm. I think it might have been hanging or I don't remember what it said, yeah. but that's what it says when, uh, 
they look at it, yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of terrifying. Which appears to be, you know, that's the thing, that's what they do, like with Bulger, uh, mm-hmm. he shoots himself afterwards. Yeah. To get rid of the evidence, essentially. Yeah, it's creepy. But anyway, uh, that is pretty much their storyline. Yeah. So, big revelation on Nomi's end, uh, and big revelation, obviously, from Will and Riley's end. As per usual, they are the main driving force of the BPO storyline. So, uh, it really just goes... And goes. I for some reason thought this episode ended when Riley um like so went downstairs. I. Yeah. And then they had the conversation. I was like, oh, they're gonna have the conversation. And then. And then Jonas came back too, and I just I didn't remember all that. Wasn't yeah. the same one. Yeah. It really like we were saying a million times over. Uh, once again provides a great cliffhanger moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they didn't even need to. It could have ended on her going downstairs, mm-hmm. but it still ends on like. The even bigger yeah the most dramatic yeah, ending as most possible dramatic ending. um yeah so from nomi's end we're getting more information about you know what whispers has been doing with the zombie program and then from riley's end we're getting more of the backstory of how the zombie program came to be the origins of whispers and a little bit more origins for mm-hmm. bpo so it's kind of slowly the puzzle pieces are kind of fitting together a little bit now so that is fun to I always got really excited when they explained how they got Whisper's name because you don't even really think about it. You're like, that's yeah. just good, a good creepy villain name. But like the explanation behind it, it just kind of gives me a sense of like, oh yeah, you know, they have really thought this out clearly. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, it's a lot of storylines to manage, but it's nice to know that like, oh yeah, we can reveal fun little tidbits of information and even if have it be satisfying even yeah. though it might not be the most necessary thing well even if we're ever confused by any details it's always clear that they, they have it, it all yeah. somewhere written down yeah uh, so. probably on flashcards again yeah <laughs> but um i think it's time to talk about sun let's do it <laughs> yes um i am so down so sun uh is just going off uh actually the first time we see her is with kala because mm-hmm. uh, kala we will tap into her storyline a little bit later but uh they're kind of having a heart to heart about being like oh this life is not what i expected i spent mm-hmm. all my trying time trying to figure out what my life would be like which is pretty unusual yeah call us son yeah team up. which is kind of nice and especially it's not one where one is going to advice or the other they're literally mm-hmm. just talking to each other and they're both in agreement that they're like oh you know life is unexpected and uh, we can never really know what's going to happen and in a way that's the same for people we never really know them and Kala brings up the point. She's like, does that mean I'll never really know my husband? And Sun's like, kind of in the way how I never really knew my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sun spends this episode at a graveyard. She goes to visit her mom and her dad. It's very sweet. It's very sad. She walks by a guy who's, you know, sweeping the graves, but she's pretty solo. A very inconspicuous yeah, guy. Very I don't know why we even mentioned dude. him. I don't know why we mentioned him. That's so weird. They have a great uh, sensei family meeting at the graveyard. Yeah, and it's a really sweet moment because, like, Sun says that she's feeling pretty lost she apologizes to her dad for visiting prison she takes the blame for that being like hey maybe if you hadn't visited and declare that you were going to put wrong the or put right the wrongs uh Mm. and testify maybe you wouldn't have gotten killed i'm feeling lost i feel like i don't belong Um, she has a memory of her mother yeah where she's uh, supporting her, her basically where her father didn't yes yeah. and she's just very sad and then Riley's like you know you've got a lot of your mom and you and son is like no I, I feel like I failed because 
it was my responsibility to raise uh, Jungi, and I didn't get to. I didn't do it right, obviously, because look, he's murdered our father. Mm-hmm. Whoops. And then Nomi brings up the really good point. She's like, hey, I didn't get the same love as much as your mom gave you from my parents. And I didn't turn out to be a murderer. <laughs> Look, I'm very well adjusted considering like yeah. aw- how awful my family life is. And then Kal is just like, you know, y- you you don't have to let logic get the best of your emotions. Sometimes it's okay to feel those emotions. And then Kafius chimes in and he's like, hey, you know, I wanted revenge for my dad when he died. And then, um, yeah, I tried to get a gun, but I never fired it. And son's like, what stopped you? And he's like, my mom. I asked my mom, did she hate the guys who killed my dad? And she told me the episode title. I have no room <laughs> in my heart for hate. And Will is like, it's okay, you're not alone, you have us. And of course Wolfgang pops up and he's like, and like but you should totally kill But him. you should totally kill your brother, because your brother's <laughs> like my father, and the world is so much better off without them. And Leto's like, you know, whatever you have to do, whatever you decide... You don't have to do it alone. Now let's do a group hug. Leo's just like, no one in my family murders each other. Yeah, this isn't something I can relate to. I have some general support to yes, offer. Yes, here for you. <laughs> um, and so they, they give her a big hug, and they're just like, yeah, this is a brand new status quo for her. Mm-hmm. She's always either been, you know, under the restraint of her family and the company, or she's been in prison. And now she's out, and she's like, well, what do I do? I feel, like, guilty for the events that have happened I feel like the reason my father is dead is because of me. Should I go after my brother? Like, where am I at? I need to regroup here. But a certain graveyard cleaner mm. has an opinion. Hot detective in disguise. It was him? All along. Oh, my God. I know. And then she's just like, uh, how did you know I'd be here? Are you following me? Like, you creep? And he's just like, I've been here every morning before <laughs> my shift in hopes that you would be here because we really need to talk. I'm not following you. That would be creepy. Yeah, that you would said be said I weird. just came here every day. Every day, waiting, hoping you would show up. It's been a struggle. The yes. graveyard has never been cleaner. <laughs> um, and he says, like, you know, I, I figured this would be the first place you'd want to go after you escaped. I would feel that way, too, if, you know, my dad committed suicide while I was in jail. She's like, he didn't commit suicide. He was murdered. And he's like, that's a really bold accusation. She's like, it's not an accusation, bro. It's a fact. And he's like, do you have evidence? And she's like, I don't need, I know what I know, and I don't need you or the law to believe me. Because look at what the law has done to me. Like, this is the system you serve. And he's like, yeah, it's not a perfect system. She's like, yeah, it's not a system that provides justice. So I'm going outside the system, man. And so um, he's just like, you know, if you just give us a little more time, we are actually, like, investigating your brother's company. We do strongly feel that he isn't the person he says he is to the media. We think there's a lot of, like, illegal money going through the company. Just give us more time. We can protect you if we can get your, you know, story on the record. She's like, I don't need your protection, man. And I was like, damn straight, she doesn't need protection. (laughs) Like, she is a one-man army. She's totally fine. Uh, then he offers to do a rematch with her because he's adorable and he's just like I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna make you stay if you want to go you can go but I am kind of hoping we could do a rematch and, and if I win if I win you have to come on into the station and get your story record on the record and she's just like well since I don't have to lose anything by agreeing to this I'm not gonna agree to it and he's like yeah but you kinda wanna fight don't you <laughs> cause I've been thinking about our fight ever since Mrs. Cho she's like really I haven't thought about it at all Oof. ooh burn and then they fight and it's super cute and, and it's like weirdly it's like weird foreplay yeah. because like I feel like there's no other real foreplay for Sen cause let's be real she like 
I think her first sexual experience was that dude in the locker room <laughs> after the match. Like, she just... If you can fight Sun, mm-hmm. it's a big turn on for her. Well, Obviously, she'll still kick your ass. But then he gets a little personal. Yeah. Uh, talks about her, he's her like, father. I th- yeah, he's like, I think the reason you're such a good fighter is you're not fighting a person, you're fighting something else. Uh, you're fighting the fact that like you had to use a fake name and your father never really realized how special you were. I was like, wait a psychoanalyzer, man. But she's got you in like a death grip. Um, so she really beats him up. She beats the shit out of him. They get a kiss. They get a kiss in there, and her natural response to that is, okay, we made out a little bit, now I have to knock you out. Which she does. Which she does. Yeah. She, yeah. I believe that this uh, this scene mm. took like a very long time to prepare for. Yes. I remember reading this on yeah. someone's social media, I think. Yeah. I don't know what the time frame is, but they spent a long time practicing, Yeah. apparently. Yeah. It's a really cool, uh, it's a fun fight scene. I mean, it's fun because it's not as, um, obviously it's not as, like, meticulous and over-choreographed as other fight scenes that you've seen in Wachowski for, particularly, like, The Matrix. But it's still pretty hardcore and raw and gets the job done, and it's really well shot. It's Mm -hmm. a really cool setting. Um, And, you know, they have such awesome chemistry that I get really giggly and just yell at them to make out the whole time they're fighting, so... That's where I stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not to take away from the, the fight choreography at all. I think it's fantastic. But like I said, it's not as um, uh, mechanical as, you know, the Matrix fight scenes. It also uh, it doesn't involve multiple sensates like lots of scenes in this show. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Which is interesting because, you know, they could be helping. But yeah. it's like they respect yes. the fight. They're like, respect the floor play, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. And I think, like I said, they have really great chemistry and they do a nice job of kind of, you know, feeling each other out to see where they stand in terms of she doesn't really have a lot of people in her life left Mm -hmm. and not a lot that she can trust. And even fewer that she feels like, oh, I can, you know, confide in you without having to worry about your safety. Like, that's just not something she has. So it is nice to bring, you know, kind of like with Zakia with uh, Coffee as having an outsider kind of come in at a different angle yeah. on on someone else's life it's nice to be like hey I'm trying to help you and to say like your principles are very good yeah. but there might be other ways to approach the situation yeah. that you haven't thought about exactly which yeah. is a really nice segue into Coffeeus because I think that's all that really happens with yeah, Sun yeah. she kicks some ass at a graveyard takes names and walks away like a badass. Segway away. Segging away. Sashay away. Segwaying into Kafias. Um, he is there a little bit in Kala's storyline to discover that there are some drugs being sent via mm-hmm. Rajan's pharmaceutical company. I the, thought um, it was interesting. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he, yeah, yeah the, 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 they're sending the not great drugs over to. Kenya, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I never noticed that the scene, uh, that scene happens pretty close to a scene where Kafia shows up at the, um, I'll maybe call it the election center. Yeah, kind of like the party center. Yeah, the political center. And uh, I wonder if that is what makes Kafia decide to go there as well, is he's like, there are problems that need to be dealt with and yeah. I'm angry about it. Yes. Yeah. It literally happens after that. Like Kala bus bursts into a meeting with uh Ajay and she's like, All these shipping records have been falsified. We're shipping like 
um, expired, corrupted drugs. And Rajan's like, this is normal. This is, I hate to say it, but like, this is a standard practice for all pharmaceutical companies. We, we aren't the do only it one. In India. Yeah, but don't worry. We're, we're only sending these places to like, we're only sending this to distant places. And, you know, we're, we're giving these people a chance because even though they're, they might not be the most up to standard drugs, like they're what these people can afford. And, and she's like, but how would you feel if I got drugs that were expired or were bad? Like, mm. he's like, oh, that would never happen. These, these drugs go to different places like China or Africa. And she's like, like Kenya? He's like, yeah, probably. And then like literally the next scene is coffee. It's like, I'm walking into this campaign mm-hmm. party center and seeing what's going down. And uh, then he takes uh, Zakia to visit his mom. She kind of works at a kid's organization where they're trying to um, teach them about the arts, different things like song, dance, uh, anything really creative. Mm -hmm. Uh, His mom also feels like a wonderful spokesperson (laughs) where she's just like, imagination is so important (laughs) to the development of, you know, childhood growth and all that His mom's looking much healthier. Yeah, she's looking great. She's feeling great. And uh, she's talking to Zakia. They're very nice. They're getting along well. And Zakia's, she's like, oh, you know, you had a really great education, but you came back. She's like, I love Kenya just as much as your son, which is why I'm so excited. He's running for office. And she's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) What do you mean? And then Kavis is like, I have to tell you something. (laughs) It's not about that, I swear. Yeah, it's something else. And then he gets into kind of a big discussion with his mom back at their place where she's like, you know, going into politics killed your father. Like he died in a riot for like this like tea union. Mm. And she's like, I am having the same argument with him that I'm having with you where like she's like, it's too dangerous. Don't get involved. And he's just like, but I have to because if I'm not going to change it, it might not get changed. So Mm. I'm and I want things to change. So I'm going to try and step up and do it. And so Coffee's is like, I know, I'm really sorry, I should have told you, if you want me, I can drop, I can rescind my name. And she's like, no, don't do that, because you're a good person, just <laughs> keep in mind that you are the only piece of him I have left to remember, so. This is an interesting scene, because yeah. they've never had an argument no. before. I mean, they they have a little bit when, like, the superpower gang, like, breaks into their house and is like, hey, we have a plan to kill a moon Yeah, it's, it's and she's like, like a you very... you can't give him the child. He's like, I know, Mom. It's a very subdued argument. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one is pretty passionate. And it's, it's similar to, it's coming from a place of where it's not that she doesn't support him. She's just like, this is, like, a safety issue. Mm. Like, your father got killed, and I really don't want history to repeat itself here. And it's not that she doesn't support the idea of making a difference, because obviously look at her work that she's been doing with, like, the kids' organization. Like, she does believe, like, there's a lot of things that need to be changed for the better in her country, and she's doing what she can and what she feels right. But also, when her son's like hey i want to do something that's a little bit more organized than that and go into politics it's like oh hell no like these are this is something that you really have to consider it's very dangerous and Mm. i think that's why i always like it when him and kala get paired up even if it is really brief because they are kind of dealing with similar things just kind of on different ends of the spectrum so like she is thrust into a family where um they run a very prosperous pharmaceutical company but the their decisions and the effect that it has has a, a major effect elsewhere that she 
not to say she's not compassionate, but she has a direct link to some of those places, so mm-hmm. it does affect her. And then she also has a family member who wants to go into politics and might not realize just how dangerous it is. So it is fun to see her get paired up with Coffee's because he's making the same moves, but at the other end where he's like, I want to make things better, and it's not for personal gain, you know? That's all Coffee is, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it for him. So we could get to call there. Yeah. We, we already covered that scene that yeah where it she off. is pissed with rajan and rightfully so where rajan has his lowest rajan moment yeah, i think of like, all oh, time this is standard you're so beautiful when yes you're that's angry. that's the worst part it's and when you're he like, says you need to pipe down chachi all right he deflects yeah by trying to you know condescend to her basically yeah and the worst part is is like it's not so much that what he did is in the wrong it's the fact that this is a standard for all of the pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. and i think like it's great because kala clearly loves the work that she does and then getting her promotion um i'm not 100 percent sure what that entails but it looks like it's more of like administrative work on top of what she already does in the lab and so that's why she's been going over all of these reports and the fact that you know i think it would be kind of upsetting to learn that the company that you've been working for and kind of making moves in is not as um ethical as you would like them to be yeah particularly in the medical field that makes it extremely upsetting and then on top of that there's the connection with coffeeus where she's like oh you know the place that i'm working for will actually affect somebody that i know and that's incredibly upsetting to me and i don't even know who my husband is so she is uh, clearly uh not currently at her home no she's very <laughs> she's upset she's with at her, her parents, parents house. Uh, that's where she has that discussion with son, with son. yeah um and then rajan shows up yeah, and her parents, uh, her dad says, you know, we can stay here with you guys, which yeah, is very really sweet. sweet. And she's like, no, I got this Rajan and I need to talk. And Rajan does some work to, to claw himself back up from this low point. Yes, uh, he, he apologizes to her. He's a very interesting little speech, um, I yeah. think, in that it's a good parallel to Kala herself uh, and stuff that's important to her mm-hmm. uh, about how he's been with the company so long. Uh, that it's like a religion to him. Yeah, he said he was essentially raised to believe in the company the way other people believe yeah. in God. And that he, the more like he sacrificed, the greater the prosperity for his family as a whole. And uh, he and said, the, like, hey, you know, I've obviously lost sight. And yeah. The position I'm in, I'm making decisions that really affect more people than I realize. That he hasn't even really. Uh, like he, he probably in other situations would know some of this stuff is wrong, but mm-hmm. it's like literally such a natural thing for him. Yeah. That he doesn't even think about it until Kala herself it points it out. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it, it does kind of tie in with that thing of like, Kala, everybody does this, not just my family's company. Like it's a, it's a standard. These things are standard, and so it, it's almost like oh. I know that these things probably aren't ethically right, but to have mm. someone actually point it out to me, it's like, oh, I should probably take a step back and look at that. Plus the fact that my wife is super pissed at yeah. me and doesn't know who I am anymore. Get my priorities I in order. get it together. So um, he promises her, he's like, we're going to fix this company. And I think she looks very genuinely, uh, I don't know what the word, touched or um, happy Happy that. That, that he seems to have come to some realizations yeah um like you know and honestly a way that she doesn't usually look at him yeah uh it's it's like kind of an important moment and i think how you might take this depends on whether you trust rajan or not um i th- remember thinking it was genuine and 
having seen the rest of the show, I think we can say, you know, Rajan yeah. is meant to be a good guy, so this is real. But I know that uh, there were definitely people thinking he was being slippery and snaky. Hmm. Uh, like, you know, maybe he was just trying to say what he needed to say to get her back on his Saving side. face, yeah. But I think knowing for sure that this is definitely real uh, adds more to the moment, really. Yeah. Um, and is important for... I think that um, a lot of him and Kala's story in the finale is about her r- realizing um, that he is a, is a truly man. good person. Yeah. Um, and this is a very similar moment in a way to that, to realize that like she could call him out for doing something bad and his response is basically to immediately regroup and to uh, realize actually that's true, yeah. which is not something a lot of people would necessarily do. Mm-hmm. Of course, they would just double down. Uh, plus, we will learn what's going on with, you know, his sneaky friend at some point. Ajay, yeah. Who is always there. I know. Well, it, she even comments it. She's like, oh, my God. I'm interrupting <laughs> another meeting with you, too. I am so sorry. And, then and he's, he's always like, got his lines. Little smarmy, like, no, yeah. it's fine. You're so beautiful. What a beautiful <laughs> wife you have, Rajan. Rajan's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so that is what's going down with Kala. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we? Who else do we want to talk about? Oh, I think we have two left. Yeah, we've uh, got uh, Leto and we've got Wolfgang. Yeah. Uh, what did Wolfgang do? Anything? Uh, Wolfgang doesn't have a major storyline in yeah, this one. He no. just kind of pops up for support. <laughs> he pops in to tell Son that murder is the way to go. Yeah, and he pops in for Leto to be like, "Do you want me to? Do you want me yes. to hit this guy again?" So we can just talk about that scene. I guess. Yeah. Let's is that do like it. Leto's only scene too? Yeah. Well, so no, Leto. No, it isn't. True. It's not. Which one was first? Leto coming home. Yeah, obviously that makes sense. Yeah. So Leto comes home with uh, Hernando and Danny from Sao Paulo, from the parade. And they're all chanting, uh, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. And it's really <laughs> cute. And they're all decked out in some awesome parade party clothes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Joaquin's there. Like, how the fuck does he get into these <laughs> apartments? I mean, it's not that surprising since it's Joaquin. It's really annoying. But anyway, Joaquin's there to take Danny home. And she's like, um, hell no. And he's like, I tried to tell your parents that you've changed and it's not for the better. And they had to see for themselves. Yeah, they are. And here they are. They were hiding because everyone in this whole story is dramatic yes they're just waiting for their <laughs> dramatic cue dramatic entrance and so danny's parents are there and they're just like you need to come home now danny like this is this situation look at how fabulous great. your life is yeah. now it's disgusting it's too fabulous there's too much color in it look at all look at that hair rainbow thing you got going on and she's like uh no i'm not going home and they're like look and joaquin's like see these guys have changed her she's like oh yeah i've now come to realize that i don't want to be with somebody who uses my face as a punching bag you horrible human being what her parents think that would be a better situation yeah clearly which is like you have some very skewed priorities so they uh they're like cut her off yeah Yeah. they're like it's fine to have all this big talk but we've made a lot of sacrifices for you and we don't like your lifestyle and you're coming home with us and you can talk big but we will cut you off and then Lito's like you can keep your money I'm not sure if she ever had a job exactly well she has done like a few acting things because like Lito did pick her from a headshot that's true yeah um I feel like maybe she's a bit of like a socialite person. Yeah, I mean, as we'll discover later in later episodes, she does have some contacts in the industry. Um, But it's also clear that like she comes from a family that are, um, as addressed in season one, they uh, 
to import and export yes, whatever yes. people need. Kind of a suggestive thing. So there. they're like, no more trust fund drug money for you. Exactly. And um, she just keeps defending herself. Um, they're like, Joaquin, take her suitcase. <laughs> and then it's another really funny moment between him and, and uh, Lido where they're fighting over the Very suitcase. Very passive aggressive suitcase. Very passive. And like, Lido's like not even looking at him. Um, it's like they're both like, we don't want this to be a scene, yeah. so just let go of the suitcase. Give it up, man. Give it up. And then finally, Joaquin, of course, is just like, you want to go again? And then Wolfgang pops in, like, ready to rock. He's like, only if you want to get beaten up again, buddy. I like how uh, a lot of the time, or like previously, when Wolfgang and Lido switch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like Wolfgang talking through Lido or the other way around. Yeah. But in this case, that doesn't even happen. It's just like his presence is there, and the fact that he's there, Lido suddenly feels comfortable. He's like, like oh, everything's fine. Like, everything's gonna be alright. And, and he's the one that talks back himself. He, like it's not actually Wolfgang, mm. uh, because they don't even need to to do it themselves. Mm. They just feel so empowered by each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. It's also I really like that scene because like Danny declares, she's like, "Sorry, mom, I'm not coming home. I'm already home." And it just kind of further cements their status as a family. And I, I love the fact that, like, she stands up for herself. Leto stands up for her, which is a huge, I mean, this is a huge character development from season one. And none of them try to, like, hide any of their parade mm-hmm. outfits. Hernando doesn't help at all. I know. Hernando's just, like, they're holding on to Danny, <laughs> being like, I got you, girl. But I just love the fact that, like, they're completely unashamed of mm. who they are and they're not going to be intimidated by people um, so it's, it's a really nice scene I really like that moment uh, it is quickly followed by you know Lito's the devastation of Lido once again very much misreading the situation yep goes he, into his management team being like I'm back did you see my speech at the parade over got two so million many hits views. like yeah. almost two million and and they're like oh this is you know this is awkward your lawyer is supposed to contact you he's like my lawyer said to come down and see you guys like, I love that part uh, when he says that the guy just gives this look like oh, of dude. course he did of course like, he did he, he's gonna make me do it yeah and so they tell him and under no uncertain terms that uh, they're letting him go because some higher ups in the company are like, we don't approve of your lifestyle. And the way the guy says it is just like super condescending. But of course, I fought for you. He's like, obviously, I fought for you. And he's like, but you told me, you know, I was your guy. And he's like, well, you lied to us yes. too, Lido. Uh, reveals his true colors there, yes. I think. Not surprising. Uh, no. But it was kind of something you could see yeah. coming a mile away. So, uh, Again, it's one of those things where Leto's personal life is just thriving like nobody's business. He seems so much happier, so more of himself, but unfortunately that is sadly affecting his career. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it it sucks because, you know, his career means a lot to him. Obviously his family means more, as the whole evolution of season one Leto discovers mm-hmm. but it's like yeah but y- you know we we do have to be realistic this is something i love to do and like how are we going to make a living uh now that i'm out yeah and we need to because danny doesn't have any money now either yeah so um there's a really really heartbreaking scene where like the management team lets him go he goes back into the elevator everyone obviously knows what has happened to him yeah and he's in the elevator and he's with this other young guy 
and the he, you could tell he's kind of breaking up breaking down mm-hmm. a little bit and then the guy just gives him a hug and says thank you and it's just like such a sweet moment and it's also it's very bittersweet because it's like Leto has had to sacrifice this and kind of it's mm-hmm. always difficult being not to say he's the first actor ever to come out as gay but um, the way it's being handled is it's it's like he's one of the first and being the first in something is really hard to be but it kind of breaks the path for other people yeah so. I mean I don't I don't know this detail details an expert in the uh, Mexican film industry yeah, but obviously same. a lot of his storyline is colored by the idea that uh, it's not quite as easy mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. as it might be in like current Hollywood where it still isn't easy but like it's further it's along. a little bit more yeah. acceptable um yeah. i thought it's interesting that um his manager guy says that um specifically some other clients basically didn't yeah. want to be in the same agency as him yeah and i think when he walks out you can assume the room is full of a mix of like people who work there and clients themselves and i get the impression he's looking around he's kind of looking to see um, how they're reacting to him, like he's almost trying to figure out if any of them, you know, are happy yeah. or sad that he's gone too, because he does ask the guy, like, who was it? Like, I want to know yeah. who told you this. And so it's obviously nice for him to have evidence that there is at least someone there that uh, wouldn't have been happy that mm-hmm. he has to leave when the guy hugs him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who I just assume is like a young perhaps a young um, up-and-coming actor up-and-coming actor yes who is hiding himself yeah I mean I think it would be one thing to interpret it as like a hug of like hey buddy you seem like you're having a hard day but mm-hmm. then the fact that he says thank you I think that obviously should insinuate that yeah thank you for you paving know, the way leading, yeah, yeah paving the way it's a horrible situation but I admire you for doing it so so that's um that's it I think yeah for him and everyone yeah. We did touch on the dramatic stuff first, so we did. Go next us. time Jonas is back. I Ooh. know, I know. Do so you have a an MVP? MVP for today. Yeah. We had a problem again where I kept thinking Riley deserved it because she's just shouldering a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like someone else should be chosen. Although maybe not, because she went and drank that blocker drink very bravely by herself, which is, you know, it's something. Yeah. So maybe I'll just give it to her. You give it to her. I would yeah. give it to her. Either her or son. Yeah. Just because I really like that scene. Um. Yeah, no, I'd give it to Riley because Riley hasn't really had... She's been there taking care of Will and, again, probably not getting as much credit as she deserves for keeping everybody safe. Riley is making up for all that time she spent both wandering around traumatized in season one and yeah. then being kidnapped in season one. <laughs> yeah, she has a lot more agency this season and it kind of comes to fruition with this episode. Like, she is the one making this decision to go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, kind of putting herself out there to investigate BPO. And she's also the one who is absolutely right about going to Chicago. When everybody's just like, I wouldn't do this. This is really dangerous. She's like, I'm doing it. And then once she gets the address, people are like, I wouldn't go downstairs. It's really dangerous. And she's like, guys, I'm doing it. Like, she has very good instincts. Um, and she is connecting with other sensates. I forgot to mention that she connects with Treehead again on the airplane. Oh, yeah, she does. And Treehead's yes. just like, you can't change the world. You can only change yourself. And, you know, the world sucks. And she's like, I don't believe in that. Clearly a Switzerland in yes. this fight. 
Yeah, but I would give it to Riley just because it is also really fun to just see her on her own again, but interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. Like it's really fun to see her interact with Diego. I really like that. Speaking of which, who's your favorite side? Diego. Well, he is back. So. He is back. But I really like Hot Detective, too. Is Hot Detective a sidekick? Yeah. Alright. Yeah, he's a sidekick. i give it to him. That's fair. I mean, Sun doesn't really have much of a sidekick character, but if any, it would probably be him. Mm -hmm. Or her teacher, and her teacher isn't really in it that much. That's true, that's true. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it to D, because I've missed him. Uh, And I think, you know... It's nice to have him back, and it's nice to kind of see not just obviously Joey Pants being sad that Will has been missing in action for a year, because obviously that's his dad, so that's mm-hmm. going to be emotional and and you know kind of close to the chest. But it is nice to see that you know, yeah, Will kind of l- left his life behind, and it not only affects his family, but it, it affects his closest friends. And clearly, he was smart about it because he didn't let Diego in on anything and now Diego's still safe and has a job mm. so really nice to see him I like him I will give it to Amanita for doing some excellent research mm. I like in it this episode. for one-offs I will give it to the trio of dads <laughs> because they're just like I know we mentioned that obviously that scene plays a little it's a little clunky it's a little preachy it they're very friendly but they're just so damn cute yes and they just love Amanita so much. I appreciate it. Um, and as for favorite scene, I mean, it's got to be graveyard scene, man. For mm-hmm. me. I don't know about you. Well, I could give the one off to that strange, uh, mysterious graveyard cleaner who didn't show up again. I know. Never again. Uh, or <laughs> maybe to, um, I don't know. There's there's the woman who gave us all that nice information at the end. She oh, was yeah. brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there aren't there aren't a lot of them in this one. I don't no, feel not like. really. No, it's there's a lot focused. of uh, focus sensate group conversations as mm-hmm. well. Uh, so it's kind of hard to pick. Favorite scene though? Yeah, you're gonna pick the graveyard scene. It's fun. Um, it's a good one. Mhm. Yeah. You gonna do that? I don't know. Oh, okay. I can't remember all the scenes anymore. There's a I'm lot. Losing it. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Boom. Nailed it. Good. Yeah. Well, I guess we should sign off. This yeah. has been Vicky. This is Camden. And we will be talking to you guys later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Hot detective. If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook. And you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off. <laughs>